they're very, very dangerous. If you spotty sense, you know, I was like, oh, something's off. <laughs> I'm just like, man, I'm waiting to hear something, you know. What's going on, guys? And welcome to, man, I can't even remember what what number this is now. Anyways, welcome to the Warcry Podcast. I'm your host, Yohola Tiger. Um, football is upon us. We, you know, Saturdays are null and void because of the Sooners and the Cowboys. But, you know, I'm very lucky. This is Sunday. We're, I'm recording this on Sunday. I'm very lucky um, to be joined um, by the man, the myth, the legend. He's been around the Bigfoot community for a lot, a lot of years. Um, my experience with, with him was, uh, you know, was back in the old days, and we'll get, we'll get to that. But joining me is Matt Knapp from Bigfoot Crossroads. Man, I appreciate you joining me. It's amazing. Yeah, man. I appreciate you having me. Uh, you know, paybacks, man. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I, I enjoyed our conversation on my end, and uh, I'm glad to be here. Yeah, I appreciate you joining me, man. You know, I, I have I haven't really done a lot of interviews, but I'm being very selective in who I who I bring on the podcast and do interviews with because I think you know sometimes you just I, I I see so many different podcasts nowadays. They just bring somebody on just to bring them on, you know, and. Oh, they had a they had a interesting story, and you know I I want to talk to people who you know know things, but also too they have you know they have different stories to tell, and and you're definitely one one guy that's on my list, man. I you know I knew I appreciate you having me on your show, but um, for people that don't know or that haven't listened to, to Bigfoot Crossroads, how did you start this thing, man? How did you how did you get going on this path? Yeah, man, uh, it's pretty crazy uh, to be perfectly honest. Um, I'll go ahead and give you the full story. You know, I, I usually give kind of an abridged version, but, uh, I, I've always been interested in like the paranormal and stuff because I grew up in a house that had some haunting activity. Like before I was ever born, people were experiencing things in this house. And, uh, you know, I'm of a certain age now where like I grew up in a time before the internet and everything. So my only access to information was like TV documentaries, uh, mm. <laughs> going to the library, you know, the occasional, uh, library at the school would have something, uh, bookstores, any chance I got. But back then, if it was a weird subject, like UFOs, ghosts, Bigfoot, whatever, it all kind of got lumped together in the same section. And mm. a lot of times those subjects would get lumped together in the same books so trying to learn as much as i could about ghosts and trying to figure out you know what was going on in my own house you know i wanted to be a young ghostbuster <laughs> uh, i i just ended up running across things about bigfoot too and it just really piqued my interest the uh, i was really into like nature and you know animals and the outdoors and everything and this was something that you know kind of encompass all those subjects as well as uh my interest in the unknown and uh it just stuck with me but really it didn't ever come to the forefront i was really kind of a paranormal person but then later on in life internet comes around uh i'm actually at a a, a buddy's house staying the night and i'm on his computer and i just do an internet search for bigfoot mm. And there was, at that time, there was probably, man, maybe four or five websites about the subject, you know, and it was all just group based. And, uh, but it kind of blew my mind that people were like actively going out and looking for this thing. Mm. So, uh, I ended up going on the biggest website at the time, which it probably still is the BFRO. Mm. And, uh, <laughs> they had this, it just, back in those days there was just like a thing you could click and apply to become a member of the bfro so i did it mm, wow <laughs> yeah and uh, it's like that that simple it's just like that just... simple man <laughs> i'm just like oh all right you know uh so i get home and there's a a message on my answering machine how does that sound <laughs> and it's from a guy named matt moneymaker 
Oh, wow. Yeah. And he's like, Hey, we got your application, blah, blah, blah. So I'm like listening to it and like, keep in mind, I'm completely new to the subject, you know, other than like stuff I've read in books. I've never heard of the BFRO before. This was the first night that I've ever even like looked at the Bigfoot stuff on the internet. And honestly, I heard the name Matt Moneymaker and I'm like, wait, my name's Matt. What are the odds that his name is Matt too? And his last name is, this is some kind of scam. They're just trying to get like some money or something. So I, I ignored the message and that was that. (laughs) And then like a little while after that, you know, probably like a couple weeks, I realized that like, oh wait, no, that's really his name. This isn't a scam. This is an actual group. They really do do this. So I emailed him and I was like, Hey, I got your phone message and everything. And I was, a member of the BFRO, uh, <laughs> never went on any outings, never had access to like, uh, the secret message forum, you know, that they discuss things and the inner mm-hmm. workings or anything like I was just a member. I don't know what that really meant. I never talked to anyone or anything. So I kind of started looking for other groups and, uh, found a group based out of Oklahoma where I live. And I was like, oh, this is cool. These people are here, you know, Mm. but that's also kind of crazy to me because I had never heard of Bigfoot in Oklahoma, you know? And what, uh, how old, how old were you when you, when you, when you did that? This was probably like, man, I was probably 21, 22 at the time. I was thinking you were like 15. (laughs) Oh, geez. No, no. (laughs) I was like, dang. It's like, man, 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 money maker. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, hey, we gotta we gotta train these kids young. <laughs> yeah. Uh but this group, uh it was really mostly comprised of people that had been in a different group and got kicked out. <laughs> oh my gosh. You know, so the whole group politics thing came into play at a very early time for me. Uh but yeah, they had like a a chat room where they'd go and do like voice chat meetups every night pretty much and i go on there and i got to know the people and uh for a long time though man i didn't say anything you know i would go to like the message boards and stuff because that's how bigfoot worked back in the day was everybody was posting on message boards and i would read stuff but i wouldn't comment or anything Mm. and eventually i built up the courage to like start commenting but i didn't want people coming after me because like you know they'd be like who are you what have you done well nothing (laughs) yeah but uh i caught the attention of a guy named bear uh and bear was part of that group that i was talking to and he emailed me and he was like man i you know i've read some of your posts i think you should post more you know you should talk more you should respond you're you're a smart guy and i just kind of struck up a bigfoot friendship with him got to know the other people and uh finally just I believe it was one uh, day in November. I decided to take the plunge and meet up with a bunch of strangers and go out in the woods and look for Bigfoot. Man, that's a, that's, you know, that's kind of crazy. Like how, you know, the internet and how that, you know, it originally first kind of started was just like, basically you guys ended up on chat, like basically chat rooms. That's just, yeah. that's just wild to me. Yeah. It, the whole uh, atmosphere and universe of the online Bigfoot community has completely changed from what it was whenever I got involved um, at least two or three different times. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's gone through several different, you know, versions. You know, there was like the original uh, version that I would call voice chat <laughs> and that kind of yeah. morphed into the message board thing. And then there was MySpace for a time was the thing. <laughs> I think I might have been like middle school. <laughs> yeah, yeah, man. And uh, then you know now it's just pretty much a Facebook game. Yeah, and it's yeah, that's one thing that you know I kind of I I I try to stay off and try to not say much on those groups because like it's come to a point now where just about anybody in their in their mama can just jump on there. Oh yeah, and say yeah, all types horrible. of crazy stuff, man. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's I mean, horrible for sure. Um, and so that kind of took you to um, what I found out. Like what I, I think I might have been, I might have been, I was a young guy. I, I, I might have been just in high school. 
and I had, was searching on, on YouTube because I was trying to find, because I had, you know, I had had experiences with things my entire life. And, you know, I just was like, well, let's see if there's anybody, you know, here in this area, maybe Texas. And, you know, uh, I don't know if you knew, heard of a guy named Bob Garrett, but I know he, yeah, I had found yeah. him. But then also I found the Bigfoot Outlaws. Um, and you guys are, to me, the precipice of like what it was, you know, as like, uh, as, you know, telling stories, getting information out there. And a lot of the stuff that you guys, in my opinion, came up with, or not really came up with, but, but, but found and researched and, you know, took eyewitness accounts and things like that. It kind of morphed the Bigfoot community into more of like an information type you know, gathering for people like me who I ain't going out there, man. I'm beyond with you. I, <laughs> I, I'm sticking. I'll, I'll, I'll hear people's stories and I'll let people, you know, if they want to do those things. They do them. But uh, let me know. I, I kind of want to know how was it, you know, being in that group and, you know, I guess you can hit the high points. You don't have to get into the nitty gritty, but I'm just kind of curious on how that, how that, you know, how long that went for and, and how it shook out, man. All right. So, uh, that original group that I joined with that was based out of Oklahoma was, uh, founded by a guy named Robert and, uh, his best friend. And they just jokingly called the group, the monkey chasers. <laughs> <laughs> and then, <laughs> yeah. And then like the majority of the group was made up of people that had been members of the Gulf coast, Bigfoot researchers organization or the GCBRO, or as we called it, the bro. Mm. And there was kind of a, a falling out, you know, uh, between individuals. And some people left. Uh, some people got kicked out. But there is just a huge exodus, basically, of the vast majority of the members that all left. And Robert was like, hey, you guys can join my group. So they all joined his group. And that was happening <laughs> right as I joined, like oh, right as okay. I got involved. And I didn't really know about all that until later. So it was kind of a weird time. Uh, but I was also, like I said, early 20s, but I was by far the youngest person in that group. Mm. But I had been raised by my actual great grandparents. And I was an only kid. So I was raised by older people and i was around older people all the time so i was very comfortable around them even though they were way older than me I, mm -hmm. I i knew how to talk to them i knew how to be respectful and keep my mouth shut you know and uh you know it's weird to talk about it because you hear about a bigfoot group and i think this might have had something to do with why we had what I would consider the success that we had. We were more like a family, man. Mm. We weren't even like a group. We were a group of like friends. And uh, yeah, I just grew to like really know them. And they grew to really know me. So we had that trust factor going on. And we just loved each other's company. So we were going out all the time. We were talking all the time. Uh, there weren't any real problems or, you know, politics going on within the group or anything like that back in the early days, because, you know, we were just a big, happy family, basically. Mm -hmm. And, uh, through those people, they all knew other people and everything. So there's like different extensions. So we would like know people down in Texas and we'd have a big outing in Texas one month and the next month. It would be up in Oklahoma and, you know, there's, there's just really all over kind of like the Southern United States, uh, people of the, you know, in the group, like would live in different States. They would know people and most of the group, the core members of the group, this wasn't new to them, man. They had been like, I mean, you're talking about like, you know, just to name drop some names, Bear and Kumbo, you know, the two main people that you think of whenever you hear Bigfoot Outlaws, if you mm -hmm. know anything about the Bigfoot Outlaws, those guys like grew up with these things on like the property where their families lived. Mm. That's how they knew about them. Uh, Dan Ricky, he had been 
investigating Bigfoot, like actually going out and looking for this thing since like the 1970s. Man. So you're talking decades of experience before I even meet the people. So they're just like giving me this wealth of information all the time. Just all this information, teaching me things. But it wasn't just some old rednecks telling me stuff. I was able to go out into the field and like apply the stuff that they would teach me and see if it worked without them there just on my own. And it did. And then I was able to tell other people about it and see other people get the same results going out on their own. So these guys, you know, once that started taking place, I was like, man, this is crazy. (laughs) These guys know what they're talking about. And these things are everywhere. And if you know what to look for and what to do, like you can have an encounter. And that's exactly what happened. Just trusting them, uh, listening to what they were saying. And like all of it made sense uh, coming from a background of, you know, growing up around outdoorsmen, you know, hunting and fishing, like everything they said just made sense. It was, you know, common sense. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, man, it led to a couple sightings, a whole bunch of what I think were definite encounters. And that went on that, <laughs> that boat ride lasted for geez, close to 20 years. Yeah. I was like, I, I, like I said, I, I remember you guys back. I, I was a young guy, man. When YouTube was first starting to kind of, you know, catch, you know, catch a little, you know, little, little steam. I was like, I, I found you guys, but you know, could you name some of those things that you would do out in the field when, you know, when those guys, uh, would, would teach you these things. Uh, what are some things that, you know, I guess if you want to, if you, you can give me a few of the kind of the, the nondescript stuff, but I'm kind of curious on what you used out there to kind of get them going, I guess those, those uh, Bigfoot. Man. So first and foremost, these guys would do calls. Now back in the day, you know, if, if you've watched finding Bigfoot, you're familiar with calls. You've Uh heard Bobo do calls. These guys were the first to do calls. Nobody was doing calls. In fact, most of the Bigfoot world would make fun of them and be like, oh man, they're full of it. They can't, how how do they call, they can't call these things in. That's ridiculous. How would they even know? Well, go out to the woods with them and find out. That was the thing. (laughs) They would straight up tell you. There were, you know, because, you know, whenever it comes to Bigfoot, especially online, there's a lot of trash talkers, man. There's a lot of skeptics. <laughs> mm-hmm. And uh, Baron Kumbo would like be like, hey, put your money where your mouth is. You know, fly here. I'll take you out to the woods and show you. Like, well, there won't be any argument about it. Come to me. I'll take you out and prove it to you. And nobody would do that. But the people that did do that found out. Like, oh, man, <laughs> these guys are telling the truth. And again, it was a situation where they had grown up with these things. They had heard these things making calls on their property and they would just learn how to mimic those calls back to them. So you had that aspect of it. And just as a little side note, I've never met the dude personally, but friends of mine knew a native American guy here in Oklahoma that went by the name of tracer mm. and tracer could do those same calls and had never met Baron Kumbo. Oh, he, wow. He learned the calls on his own growing up here. And I've met a few other people over the years that can also do calls that learn them wherever they're from that didn't learn them from Baron Kumbo or anything. Mm. At one point in time, going back to the BFRO, now this is pre-Finding Bigfoot days, uh, they offered to buy the calls. They wanted Baron Kumbo to record the calls so they could put it on CD and call blast them. Wow. And Baron Kumbo wouldn't do it. Wow. Um, yeah. So that was probably the big one. Uh, the other thing was uh, using topo maps. Uh, you know, maps that show the topography, the terrain of an area and everything. Mm-hmm. And uh, knowing different features of the land to look for and everything. Being able to uh, kind of 
find out about sightings, talk to some locals and everything, and you get a general idea of an area, and then you look for certain physical characteristics of the area, and that's basically how we would find a location to go to. And then uh, being patient, that's another one that people often uh, overlook. You can't just go to an area and expect something to happen. It usually takes uh, about three days uh, before they start coming around and checking you out and everything, which is another big one. We didn't go, you know, all the time. There were times that we went off hiking into the wilderness, but usually we would go to an area uh, like a campground. We would meet up and have, you know, the campsite area, but then we'd have locations around there within driving distance, an hour or so. And uh, a lot of times it was just, you know, old backcountry roads and things like that. And we would go out there, do the calls, and just wait. See if we got a response. Uh, mm. It was oftentimes hit or miss. But I would say our success rate was 60 to 65%. Which that's I pretty would high. Say, <laughs> I would say that's damn good for Bigfoot. Yeah. And uh, like I said, it put me in position to see them. So I can't really knock it. And let me ask you this. Um is there any of these places here in Oklahoma? Can you give maybe you don't have to t say the name of the you know of the air, you know of the town or where they're at or just kind of for the for the for the people listening. What are some areas in Oklahoma that you're like, hey, that place, no doubt in my mind. And maybe some maybe a place that's kind of unexpected that people don't really think that that would be a place where they'd be at. <laughs> Sand Springs. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah sand springs that's a tulsa uh, metro right there for you for you people that don't know <laughs> yeah that one's crazy but i've heard over the years probably four or five different stories from different people that aren't connected in any way that had encounters in the sand springs area uh there's same for i'll say kind of east of tulsa if you follow the Arkansas River uh, southeast um, and get out, you know, on the outskirts of like Broken Arrow and out there, I've heard mm. some things from out there, which I think anytime it's around Tulsa, it sounds pretty crazy to me, you know? Yeah, that does. I mean, especially with the, you know, as many, I mean, it's like with Broken Arrow and, and even Coweta area, it's growing. Like there's so many people that are, that are moving to that area. Yeah. That they, you know, that it's crazy to me that, that people are, you know, seeing that thing out especially in broken arrow that's kind of that's kind of crazy i just talked to someone uh pretty recent within the past couple of weeks who's uh, they've got some relatives that own some property out there and it's a big chunk of land because whenever they told me uh what happened they actually commented on a, a, a youtube upload that i did i was like hey can you email me <laughs> because <laughs> this is like the fourth time i've heard somebody say something about this area and uh, I got to talking to them and the thing that caught my attention where they are talking about a fruit tree on this relative's property, an apple tree. And you hear this, I would say a lot, but it's not a lot, but you do hear it often situations where somebody will be like, yeah, I had this, you know, apple tree on my property and the apples were ripe and just about ready to pick or whatever. And I was going to go out and get them the next day. And I go out there and they're gone. Oh, All wow. the apples are just gone. And this had happened on their relative's property. An entire apple tree was wiped out overnight <laughs> and not just the apples on the tree, but the ones on the ground too. Oh man. And I mean, how do all the apples dis you know, like I understand a few, but how does an entire fruit tree get wiped out overnight? And I've heard that, man at least five or six times from different mm. people so that caught my attention and uh, you know i got on google maps and kind of looked at the general area i think i got it figured out you know i didn't ask them for details you know it's their relative's property or whatever but kind of putting the clues together i think i got it figured out and whenever you go to look at it, it's like wow th this could actually be a thing th th mm -hmm. I, I can see how this works uh, one one of the weirder ones that I heard though actually came from my mom, uh, someone that she works with. 
works part-time at the airport out by jinx mm. um i can't remember the name of the airport but it's out by turkey mountain basically and uh this lady swears up and down that she saw a family of bigfoot running through the grounds of the airport at night whoa like, like silhouetted by a big metal building and everything now it's not like tulsa international or anything no yeah it, the 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 airport that he's talking about is, is like south of jinx and it's uh it's next to a golf course right yeah yeah so that was just kind of crazy to me you know because that's i mean that's like a populated area mm-hmm. yeah i mean but, there's houses galore out there but if you start see this is a thing so if you start thinking like okay Southeast of Tulsa, that airport, Sand Springs, it follows the Arkansas River. Mm. So are these things following the Arkansas River and able to run up into town at night or something? Because, I mean, how much land can they cover at nighttime, you know, with darkness helping them out and everything? If they're down, you know, in the riverbed or whatever, staying up against the bank line, I mean, who knows? Yeah, you'll never be able to find it. Especially if they've dug like a little bit of a... Because sometimes that river gets real low and they could, you know, dig out a little like almost like a cave or a yeah. type in that side of that bank, especially when that water's low. But yeah, you know, that's that's crazy, man, because that's like a very popular and it's growing, too. It's it's going south, too. It's, you know, that that yeah, that uh, development's going south. But um, but kind of, you know, keeping it, you know, moving on kind of your timeline. And, and I appreciate you sharing that that information, too, as well, because that's. I know there's going to be some people from, and I know some people from, from Tulsa listen. They're going to be like, oh man, we got them. They're, they're everywhere, you know, but, yeah. but, uh, but, you know, so, so once the, the outlaws kind of, you know, went away and you, you kind of started doing your own thing at what, so what, uh, what's one of the, this kind of the, I guess really one of the most in, uh, interesting things that you guys did before, I guess before I move on. What what's a sighting or an encounter that you guys had when you guys were on an outing that you know you were like oh, okay this is this is crazy like these eight foot nine foot tall beings are out here man so I had already so this is all gonna go pretty fast <laughs> so like <laughs> we go down to Texas to a conference okay now by the time we had done that uh. I had already kind of figured out that like these things are legit. I had gone on a previous outing where I had my first sighting through the night vision. And this is going back to Texas, not too long after that, uh, to go to a Bigfoot conference in Jefferson. My friend goes with me, my best friend, he's Cherokee. I went to high school with him. And he's like, I want to go with you and check this out because man, you're meeting up with strangers. You're going out and looking for something that doesn't exist. Like he was worried about me. He was actually concerned about my safety. So he wanted to go meet the people, see what was going on exactly. And in his mind, he was going to go down there, debunk everything, figure it all out and convince me to quit doing it. And so he goes to this conference with me. Well, <laughs> in true Bigfoot outlaw fashion, we're going to the conference, but we're going to look for Bigfoot while we're down here. Mm. And there's some areas outside of the conference. Like we didn't stay in a hotel. We camped out the whole time. And actually on the way to the campgrounds, he and I driving in from Oklahoma, we go across this big long dam and I see there's like a spillway coming out from the dam and there's like a parking lot and there's a service road that leads to it from the highway that we're on. But then I see there's a dirt road and a gate that's open hmm. and like a sign posted there. And I was like, man, we need to come back and go down that road later and check it out. So we go to camp and everything, meet up with everybody. Later on, I'm telling, you know, a few of the people, hey, we saw this road. It's right down the road from here. You know, we should check it out. So we go and check it out. And it's actually an access to a public hunting area. Mm. And we go down this road and it curves back off in there. 
and I swear, man, there's like, I mean, just stuff that people consider Bigfoot sign, like X formations, you know, uh, trebos, things like that. I don't know if Bigfoot makes those things or not. I'm just saying they're oftentimes associated with Bigfoot one way or another. So we saw that stuff and we got off in there and we were like, yeah, th this looks like a good spot. We're going to come back here tonight. So later that night, we're in two different vehicles. Eventually that road leads, it, it kind of winds down and ends up going parallel with the little creek that, you know, comes from the spillway and everything. It's a thick pine forest and hardwoods. And there's a spot at the end where there's kind of like a dead end at a gate. And then the road curves off to the right and goes down about another quarter mile and dead ends down there. So I pull in the first dead end and the other vehicle goes down to the second one. And at that first dead end spot where that gate is, there's like two huge trees. I don't know. <laughs> they look pushed over to me. They were like fallen across the gate, huge full grown trees. Yeah. And it, like one falling towards the other one, like almost like creating an X, but they're full grown trees. And I was like, huh, that's weird. So we stop, we get out. And as soon as we close the doors to the car, I mean, instantly, we hear something running around just maybe 15 yards from the car inside the tree line. Well, we always had this rule that like, whenever you get there, you close the doors, that's going to alert everything in the area. You know, you just drove in. So you got to give it time to settle down. So like the fact that we just closed the doors and we're out of the vehicle and we instantly hear this, that was kind of weird. So we've got spotlights and flashlights and stuff, but we don't get those out. We just kind of stand there and take it all in and we can hear something moving around out there. Can't see anything cause it's too dark. Well, I walk off in kind of an area to get away from everybody and there's actually me, my friend, and two other people, Bear and this guy named Sammy. Bear and Sammy go kind of down the road. My friend Rod stays by the car. I kind of go across the road the other direction. Well, Rod was kind of spooked, so he had a spotlight with him. And he keeps on popping it on and off because we told him, you know, like, hey, don't don't leave the spotlight on. <laughs> like, <laughs> we're, we're, this isn't going to help us. Just, you know, if you hear something, turn it on. But try to keep it off and he just keeps on popping it on and off. So I was like, okay, well, obviously, you know, he's, this area is pretty much ruined at this point. I'm just thinking the sound that we heard was a deer or something. I don't know. Well, all of a sudden he's got the spotlight on and he's by himself and he's saying, I see eye shine. I see eye shine. Okay. Well, he's not, accustomed to the woods or anything he's from the city it's probably you know who knows what it is you're gonna see eye shine well his voice keeps on intensifying and he keeps you know you can kind of hear it building and he's kind of panicking a little bit so we start all converging towards him well by the time i get to the vehicle bear and sammy are already closer to him on the opposite side of the vehicle and man, he just screams and like throws the spotlight and takes off running around my vehicle. He shoulder bumps bear out of the way and Rod's not a big guy and bears a big guy. He was freaking out, man, freaking out and climbs into my car, into the driver's seat, climbs over the seat and gets down in the rear seat of my vehicle and is like locking the doors and stuff and freaking out. And I'm just like, what is going on? So we get like some spotlights out of the vehicle. He's still freaking out. We're shining the lights around in the woods. And I can tell you what I saw. I don't know what they saw, but I saw what looked like something about eight to nine feet tall. I could see the upper arm area and part of the lower arm. I couldn't see any hands or anything. 
I could see like the rib cage and stuff and the hip as it was like running through the trees. I'm like spotlighting into the woods and there's like, you know, overgrowth and everything next to the tree line. And then you've got the pine trees and it kind of goes down into this little river bottom area. So like this thing's just like running between the trees. It's reddish brown in color. It's honestly the same color as dead pine needles. That's exactly mm. what it, that's the exact color it looked like, which was crazy because the whole area was just covered in dead pine needles on the forest floor. Well, <laughs> we're kind of freaked out now because here's this thing, you know, and it's not acting right. It's not leaving the area. It's running around, but it ain't leaving, which Oof. is not normal behavior. Uh, at one point it kind of, you could hear it like running parallel with the road. And I was like, okay, is it going to try to cross the road down away from us and circle around on the other side of us? So I like shine the spotlight down the road and hit like I shine down there that I'm assuming was it at the edge of the road and it ducked back in. And then you could hear it running back towards us. Well, well, whenever it did that, it got pretty much dead even with us and just froze went quiet couldn't hear it running no more so we're like okay we need to regroup you know get in the car so (laughs) we're all piling back in the vehicle uh as i get in i go to turn the vehicle on well whenever i turn the vehicle on it locks the doors automatically so bear and sammy can't get in the vehicle so they're just like hammering on the door (laughs) and they're like unlock the doors unlock the doors like freaking out because this thing is i mean at this point you know 10 feet away from cast out like it's pacing y'all yeah yeah it was crazy so we get back inside and we've got like a little two-way radio and we radio the other vehicle and we're like you know hey get over here now like right now so we hear them like start up the vehicle and everything and they're coming we waited for them to get there and then we had you know numbers more in our favor and we got back out and that night was one of the wildest nights of my life, man. Those things came in. That one waited there until the rest of the group came. And they came in there and they surrounded us. And that stuff didn't die out until, man, probably 1.32 o'clock in the morning before it finally quieted down. They were running around, whistling, uh, multiple sightings. It was crazy. Uh, eventually, so whenever we got in the car, just to back up a little bit, I told everybody, don't say what you saw, okay? Whenever the other group gets here, we're going to independently go to somebody and tell them what we saw. And so we did that, and all of our stories matched. Our descriptions of what we saw matched. The same color, same size, everything. Uh my buddy Rod was just out. I mean, he was freaking out. It took probably about an hour and a half. Uh, some ladies that were with us, like, got in the car with him and, you know, calmed him down and talked to him and everything. And eventually, uh, he was able to get back out of the car. But, I mean, he was ready to go, man. He was man. like, Matt, please take me home. Take me home right now. Please. <laughs> I don't want to be here. And, uh, he ended up getting a tattoo of a Bigfoot on him because of the experience and everything <laughs> like changed his life forever. But I mean, like he was freaked out, man, you know? Yeah. And that's I, I don't blame him. And, uh, eventually, you know, uh, he was able to talk about what he saw. It took him a while, but, uh, so whenever he said he got eye shine, he could see eye shine. He was shining the spotlight and he saw eye shine next to a tree and it ducked behind a tree. And one of us had told him, whenever you're looking for eye shine in the woods, shine it down at the the ground. Look at ground level. Most people look too high for Bigfoot because Bigfoot will drop down on their stomachs and hide all the time. Uh, most people look right over them and don't even know they're there. Or, you know, the other situation is they'll line up with a tree and you'll walk right by them or something. So he was shining it down at the ground. And so he saw eye shine kind of off the ground. So at first he's thinking it's just like a raccoon or something. He doesn't know what it is. Well, then the eye shine goes up into the oh, air man. and he shines the spotlight up 
and it's gone again. And he says, I guess it was behind the tree because all of a sudden I see this hand and this arm reach around the trunk of the tree and it leans over and looks at me and I'm just blasting it in the face with the spotlight. Oh man. And like he's, whenever this happened, he was within 30 feet of this thing. Whoa. Like he was close and, and nobody was near him or anything. That's why he freaked out, you know, because oh, it went yeah. from this thing doesn't even exist. These guys are full of it to, oh my God, there's a monster. Man. Yeah. It, it was wow. Pretty intense. Pretty intense night. And Did that same did... location has yielded results for other people years after that. People like, Basically, that night made that spot famous to a certain select few people. Mm. And other people have gone back to that location and had success. And then years later, I was talking to a researcher from Texas who had an encounter down in that hunting area whenever he was deer hunting back in the 80s. Oh, wow. So, yeah, pretty crazy. Did he see any of the fa fa uh, facial features or anything? Like, did he see, like, oh, it had, like, you know, I, you know, people always talk about the different yeah. types of look. Yeah. He honestly, uh, his description was the only thing that he could equate it to was Chewbacca. He was Whoa. like, it was covered in hair, man. It looked like Chewbacca. I couldn't really tell. He was like, because you know, whenever you like shine a spotlight out, like if you point up spotlight at a tree and we're talking like million candle power spotlight, it like bleaches it out in the light. So like that was going on. He could see the eye shine and it was the face was just kind of like bleached out with the light and he's freaking out and just throwing the spotlight and running. He's not like standing there trying to study it or anything, mm -hmm. but he was just like, man, it reminded me of Chewbacca. It was just huge and covered in hair. Man. And so you guys, so what, what time was that? You think, you know, when he first saw that, was it like right as the sun was going down and then you said it lasted no, until no. two o'clock? Yeah, we got there probably around 10 to 10.30. Oh, I think man. we left camp around 10. Oh, man. But, man, that's still crazy, though, that it lasted that long, though. Yeah, uh, yeah. For them to hang around like that, that's crazy. And then the next day, so, like, you know, we're all down there and everything that night. Well, the next day, we got to go back to the area during the daylight and check it out. You know, get our bearings, see if we can find any tracks, things like that. So, we go back down there. And right where my vehicle had been parked the night before, there's this huge tree, a huge pine tree. It's probably, I don't know, man, 80 feet tall, like East Texas pine tree. And something, yeah. Man, this, <laughs> so it looked like something had just, I don't know, man, like, taken rocks and just destroyed the base like like tried to chop down this tree with a rock or something like there's just chunks Dang. of wood everywhere and the tree was actually broken but at the base right and i'm saying right where my vehicle was parked and it would have fallen across the road where my vehicle was but it was like caught up on vines and stuff in the other surrounding trees and those were holding it up and then there was like this kind of a, a spot of just brush like a huge brushy area that was on the opposite side of where my vehicle was parked and the woods kind of wrapped around that and that whole area there was like just things like brush and saplings and stuff just pulled out of the ground and just thrown <laughs> everywhere it looked like somebody went back there with like a backhoe and just tore the place to hell man the very next day that we went back at like you know probably 11 o'clock in the morning. Right. So what did that between 2 a.m. and 11 o'clock the next day? Man. Yeah. I mean, yeah, let me ask you this too. Like, do you think they're nocturnal animals or do you, or do you, no. I, you think they're nocturnal? No, I, I think that they're diurnal. If you go through reports, a lot of your sightings happen at dusk and dawn. And I mean, there's just too many sightings that happen during the day for them to be just nocturnal. Yeah. I think it's more of a situation where they probably live in small groups and they probably like take naps, you know, throughout the day and throughout the night and stuff. So I don't think they're just 
primarily active at night. Although I do think they do most of their activity at night. Mm. Yeah. Cause that's, that's one, that's kind of something I always, you know, see when it comes to people talking about it is that, you know, from what I heard, you know, they always see it, you know, or like it's uh like it's the, they're driving past it and they see it in the, in the headlights or, mm-hmm. you know, or they see it behind them or, you know, when they're driving by, but you know, that's one thing that's so interesting about the, the Bigfoot topic is there's so many different theories and so many different, um, I would say opinions about it. Um, so during the time of that experience and kind of going forward into like what you, you know, kind of what you're doing now and what you did after the outlaws, has has your opinion of of Bigfoot Sasquatch Yeti all you know all of the above has it changed or has it continued to you know you know be the same? You know it's a little bit of both. Uh, it's definitely changed in the aspect of starting out. I'm thinking ah this is just some undiscovered primate, and while it's crazy, you know it's just basically a bipedal gorilla. Uh, that's where I started. And there's a lot of things uh, that are attributed to Bigfoot that people believe about Bigfoot that do support that theory. You know, like uh, one of the popular things uh, right now is like uh, people have discovered giant like groundness. Mm. And I mean, like there's a whole lot more to that story. Like primatologists have been brought in and observed these nests and everything and there's more to it, but, uh, that's something that like gorillas and chimpanzees do, you know, mm-hmm. but my experiences, especially in Oklahoma have been more along the lines of this is some kind of person. This is a person. This is, this isn't a, a wild animal. This is acting very human-like mm. in a lot of ways. And so I've kind of, you know, more or less put all my cards in that pile of them being some sort of person maybe different than us but still a person Mm. but now uh i'm starting to lean towards the the area of maybe there's more than one thing out there maybe it's not all just bigfoot people are experiencing but it's just all getting lumped together because people just assume that it's bigfoot maybe Mm. there is uh some kind of you know feral people out there living in the wild and maybe there is some sort of big undiscovered primate living out there with them i don't know yeah uh, that's very interesting you know because like on the on a previous episode I, I discussed kind of uh you know caves and you know kind of connection between missing people and and uh, you know muskogee creeks and seminoles we you know kind of believe in i say we but um they, you know, different tribes believe in that they, that they go underground mm-hmm. and they, they come from these caves. And, you know, I know you, I know you on the kind of the conversations we had you know, after the, after we recorded, but, you know, what is your, do you think that some of these disappearances are equated to Bigfoot or do you think, do you think Bigfoot is, is like that? You know, I've heard that the, he's always the, the keeper of the forest. He helps, you know, this helps that. Do you think that Bigfoot, can, you know, it could do that? Could take people and and do those types of things? Man, I think there's, you know, preachers and murderers that exist. You know, mm. uh, I, I think I think Bigfoot's the same way. I mean, if you go with you know the the tribal history, most tribes talk about these things taking people, taking children. Uh, so that's definitely part of it. And I know in Oklahoma, especially those stories still exist, you know, uh, you've probably heard it yourself. You know, you got to come in whenever the sun goes down, you know, something, the booger man's going to get you, you know, something's going to take you. And I think that has to have, uh, some relevancy. I think that's based on something, but then I've also heard stories, uh, out in the Pacific Northwest, uh, a lot of stories circulating out there about Bigfoot helping people, and uh, even some stories of people helping Bigfoot. Uh, you know, especially tribes. Mm-hmm. Um, 
so i think you have a little bit of both i think these things are kind of individuals and i think while well, you've got some that you know are more of like you know helping someone lost get out of the woods you know there's definitely uh, something that comes to mind it's been a few years now but there's a little boy lost in north carolina and he was a toddler and he was lost for multiple days huge search and rescue effort nobody could find him and then he just shows back up and he says to his parents i believe it was that uh, a bear helped him survive a bear took care of him well what's a little kid gonna call a bigfoot you know it doesn't know mm -hmm. what a bigfoot is you know mm -hmm. if you're you know five or six years old i think he even called it the bear man or something like that so i i believe that it's possible that a bigfoot helped that little kid uh get back home and i've heard other stories like that mm. but then i've also heard nightmare stories you know <laughs> yeah so it, it's hard to say i just think they're probably individuals like we are let me ask you this since uh, you know kind of discussing you know what what else could be out there uh what what would you say you know in terms of i know like i said people talk about the rake Mm -hmm. People talk about UFOs. People talk about uh, the werewolves or Dogman, which Dogman to me is kind of a weird name. But yeah, <laughs> uh, but uh, Dogman, they talk about you know all these different beings or creatures that are out um, in the woods and you know all over the place. What would you say is the kind of being or creature that maybe spooks you out the most? Oh man. Uh... <sighs> I know, nope. put you on the spot there. <laughs> yeah, that that's a rough one, man. Uh, or have you heard a story from somebody that you're like, man, I, I don't think I'd want to run into that thing. I mean, honestly, you know, what people call a dog, man, I don't want to have nothing to do with. I don't want to run into a canine. I mean, there's if it is how people describe it, I mean, I grew up calling that a werewolf, <laughs> you yeah. know, uh, no matter which uh, direction you go in terms of belief if it does exist whether it be a dog man a werewolf a, a shapeshifter of some kind all of it's bad none of it's good and mm -hmm. uh, canines are meat eaters you know those are predators yeah uh so that puts me on the menu and i'm not down with that 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 terrifies me uh and giant birds uh thunderbirds and things like that also kind of freak me out i'm kind of kind of weary of uh birds up close in general like to <laughs> observe <laughs> birds from a distance but the idea of a gigantic bird out there that you know could take me down I, i'm not real big on that but then man there's so much stuff really yeah. <laughs> you know i can't really narrow it down man because then if we start going into the realms of you know supernatural and you know things that exist some places and cross over to this plane you know there's a lot of things i don't want to have nothing to do with yeah i mean and, and for me it's always been you know some the, the the being that i always get spooked out about and, and i think it's a lot you know from what i've heard is i mean i get the snakes i know that that was something that the big snakes mm -hmm. uh, was something that I, I talked about on your on your podcast and i you know told a few stories but you know, that's one thing that w when we talk about these things out in the woods, um, at the end of the day, you know, we really don't know what they are and we can put a name to it or whatever. But I, I agree with you. You know, there's there's something to be said about Oklahoma, man. We got we have a lot of weird stuff. And um, I know we're, we're hitting about an hour right now. Um, what is one what is a story that, that has been told to you from somebody here in Oklahoma that's kind of made you you know be like man that's kind of crazy if you if you have one of those oh man another on the spot question uh <laughs> i mean i've heard a lot of stories uh from the anadarko area uh dan ricky you know one of my colleagues that i kind of came up with you know he was from that area in a small town called alfalfa outside of carnegie and this would be, you know, around Fort Sill and everything, uh, out west of Oklahoma City. And down there, 
the first time I went down there, you know, I'd heard like several Bigfoot stories from them. And I went down there and just on the drive there, I'm like looking around and it's one of those areas of Oklahoma where you can see as far as your eyes will allow it. There's no hills or anything. It's mm. just flat. Lots of soybean fields. Uh, you got prickly pear cactus growing up around the highway out there. It's just one of those areas where it's just like, man, there ain't no way that there's Bigfoot out here. There's just no way. And then you get out there and you get taken to some of those canyons and down into some of those, you know, uh, river bottoms and stuff where there are trees and it gets real thick in a hurry. And I've heard some Bigfoot stories from out that way that, I mean, I've heard horrible things, horrible things. Can you tell one of them or is it, is it, is it, is it on the, is it on the download? You know, is it like, Oh, we- and there's this, uh, there's this one story that comes to mind, this taxidermist that lived out there and, uh, his taxidermy shop was out behind his house. It was like a metal building, I think. And, uh, he had it hooked up where like whenever his phone inside the house rang, there was a bell attached to the building. And so there was an idea that maybe that bell caused the problems. Then there was also, he had like a garden and the deer were getting in his garden. So he put up like a little electric fencing around the garden, but, uh, whatever the reason, uh, it started out with something yanked the electric fencing up out of the ground. Like he had, you know, stake down in the ground and everything. Something pulled it out of the ground. And he thought, well, maybe like a deer or something got tangled up in it. And then something happened where he was, uh, some, he heard something outside or something. He thought it was another deer getting into his garden or something. And he went out there with a gun and it was a Bigfoot and he shot at it and hit Whoa. it, but didn't kill it. And, uh, I don't remember if it was the next day or what, but on down the road, assuming it was Bigfoot that did it, uh, he comes outside and his horse is dead. The head has been pulled off of the horse. Whoa. And there's just blood and big bloody handprints smeared all over that metal building. Oh my goodness. And, uh, I mean, that just, that's one that really, stuck with me you know uh because i I mean i get it you know don't go shooting at these things period don't go messing with them uh but the idea that you know that's some serious retaliation man man that's some serious stuff uh that kind of goes into other areas of the conversation if you know (laughs) what i mean yeah um and i mean i got one one last thing for you and i like i said i appreciate you 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 coming on i got one last thing i know so i i had released uh this is creepy part three and i had kind of been really just trying to get some information on that casino footage about from from that casino out in concha yeah and i had someone had uh with someone who had worked security out there you know i had Mm -hmm. to keep them anonymous have you heard anything about that casino footage or have you heard anything about that? Any other stories regarding that casino and them possibly covering that up? Or have you, have you heard anything? If you had, if you, if you got to keep it to the best, I understand, but I thought I'd ask you. I mean, I've heard all kinds of things, you know, it, obviously coming from Oklahoma, it's something I always ask about anytime I meet somebody new that I can ask. Uh, I've probably heard the same stories you have, you know, I've, a guy working security talked to this friend of mine, uh, told me one story. Then there's a couple people that we are kind of friends with that worked there at the time. They told some stories, you know, then I talked to this, uh, researcher out of Oklahoma that was apparently part of the initial investigation and saw the video himself. Oh, uh, so a couple things tied to the video, uh, and like I said, there's different stories. So I don't know which one's the truth or if any of them are true. The tribe told the employees 
don't talk about the video don't answer any questions about the video if you do you're gonna lose your job mm. so they shut everybody down then i heard that uh the tribe kept the video and it's locked up in a safe somewhere uh then i heard the bureau of indian affairs came down and confiscated the video then i heard uh the elders of the tribe had destroyed the video mm. so most recently i had a guy on my show from the area a native guy and i asked him about it and he seems to think that the video still exists and oh, wow. eventually it will leak somebody has a copy somewhere but he hasn't ever seen it and uh I don't know if he's heard that information firsthand or what, but that was his belief that the, the video is still in existence, was not destroyed, was not confiscated. Man. Yeah. I, that's one of that's, I think that's one of the mysteries that I, I that with my podcast that I'm trying to, that I'm trying to get to the bottom of, because to me, that is the most fascinating. I remember hearing about that years ago, but like, you know, someone had come forward, come, you know, reached out to me about it. And I said, man, and I started asking questions and he couldn't really, you know, he got into it a little bit, but like, I just like, man, that's, uh, I guess there had been, uh, a lot of activity around that casino prior to and, uh, yeah. Pri- and after. And yeah, there's a I, few uh, stories tied to that casino besides just the, you know, famous video incident. And, yeah. uh, they've actually, move those dumpsters away from the back of the casino and put them more <laughs> out by the tree line and, you know, kind of redid the parking lot and everything to kind of prevent anything like that from happening again. Uh, I know one of the stories was, you know, with it being a casino, a lot of times they'll, you know, bust in old people from like a nursing home or something, let them, you know, gamble away their social security checks. <laughs> and, uh, so this guy, this bus driver had dropped off a bunch of old ladies at the casino and, uh, he was waiting out in the parking lot for him and he saw a Bigfoot from like, from his angle, he could see it come out of the tree line and everything. And it was like standing there at the edge of the parking lot and he left. He drove the bus back to the lot and got in his car and went home and never came back, quit his job right there on the spot. And whenever all those old ladies came out, the bus was gone. Didn't know what was going on or anything. Oh man. Golly. I mean, yeah. He, he was out of there. He said, I want no parts of that. Yeah. Man. Yeah. Don't want nothing to do with it. Yeah. But it's crazy, man. I mean, down there in that part of Oklahoma, I mean, people see bigfoot all the time just yeah, it's like a time. yeah it's like a normal thing man that's one thing that you know i i'd like I said i know that's uh carnegie's kind of kiowa uh yeah and i got some uh kiowa family that you know they, they always talk about uh things like that and, and eventually uh, there's a story i don't know if it, i don't know if they i don't know if if this is what they do those bigfoot you know them cloaking or whatever but you know, I heard a story that they were coming down off that main highway, and I cannot remember the name of that highway that gets get, that goes straight into Carnegie. Um, and I can't remember the name of the highway. I have to look at my messages. But you know, they said that they saw a predator-like thing. It was big, like a, it was like you know nine foot tall. But they could see the outline. You know, how a predator you can yeah. see. Yeah. And they, and they talk about some type of being that can do that out there, and they, you just never know, man, with all that type of stuff that goes on, especially out there that. That old land, man, that kind of is still yeah. untapped. That, uh, that guy that I had on my show that was, you know, I asked about the casino. Uh, he was going down that, I think that same highway uh, with his ex-wife. And I think he had his kids in the back seat and they were asleep or something. And uh, they saw a deer jump out from the side of the road out of the tree line, you know, like crossing the road in front of him. And he didn't have time to stop or swerve or anything. So he just kind of, you know, reached out and braced himself. And, uh, as that deer jumped in front of his headlights, it turned into an owl and flew off over the top of his vehicle. And his, uh, wife saw it too. And she was, you know, pretty shook up and everything. She was like, 
what did you just see? What did you just see? You know, and like they both had seen the same thing that, you know, deer came out of the woods and turned into an owl. Uh, so that one, that one was a pretty, <laughs> I, hadn't, hey, I man. hadn't heard that one. You know, yeah. Hey, <laughs> yeah, whoo, yeah, boy. You, hey, especially man. Like I know Muskogee Creeks really feel this way about owls, man. Yeah. Harbinger, you know, some type of omen, but, but yeah, man, like I said, you just never really know what's out here. And that's one thing that I think that's kind of what I'm, you know, with, with my podcast. And I know definitely with your podcast too, we're just trying to figure out what, what's going on, you know? And, uh, but I, man, man, I appreciate you coming on and, and, uh, yeah, and, and sharing these stories and, and, and uh, you know, helping, you know, helping my podcast out by coming on and uh, where can they find you at? You know, where's, where's places that they can find you at for your podcast and everything, man, I'm pretty much everywhere, whatever your favorite podcast app is uh youtube probably the easiest thing is just bigfootcrossroads.com it's got everything right there all in one place there we go man like i said i appreciate you coming on man it's definitely you know like i said um what one of a a milestone for me personally because like i said you got you helped to me you were holding that group together a little bit in my opinion (laughs) with the outlaws (laughs) i appreciate it (laughs) Cause you would kind of keep them in a, in a, in a, in a, I would say like an order almost kind of keep, keep the thing moving forward. But, uh, like I said, man, I appreciate you coming on and yeah, and, for uh, sure. And doing Enjoyed that. it. Yeah. Have to do it again sometime. Yes, sir. I had to get, had to get you on for a part two, man. No doubt. Yeah, I'm down. Uh, but, uh, you guys can follow me on, uh, on, uh, TikTok and Inst- Instagram, Warcry pod, is the name for that Facebook? You hold a tiger. Message me. Let me know you listen to the podcast. Tell me what favor your episode. You know, if you just add me as a friend, it's gonna be hard for me to to add you back. But um, and then you guys, if you want to, you know, share your stories for this is creepy part four. Uh, Real warcrypod at gmail dot com. Um, and I appreciate everybody that listens to the podcast. I appreciate Matt coming on, sharing those good stories, and I'll catch you guys on the next one. <laughs>